0: All right. So, our theme verse, our theme verse for this week is 1 Corinthians 15:57 through 58. Let's all say it together. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Okay, today we are going to be looking at the fact that we are to be abounding, we are to be abounding in the work of the Lord. How many of you guys like to work, right? You guys like to work? So, you, so let, let's put it this way, your mom or dad gives you a chore to do at home. You like to do that? How many of you guys like to do that? Right. Wow. Wow. All right, I should probably take a picture of this moment, so that way I can send that to your parents at the end of the week and they say, they love to do work for you. Right? All right. Shh. Okay, great. <laughs> no, I don't. Uh, we are to always be abounding in the work of the Lord. And that, that sometimes is hard. How do we do that work? That's what we're going to be looking at today. What does it mean to abound? What does it mean to abound? There's my daughter Paisley again, giving us that wonderful face. Uh, Abounding means existing in or providing a great or plentiful quantity or supply. Existing in or providing a great plentiful quantity or supply. So in other words, there's going to be a bountiful harvest. Maybe you've heard that before. We're all from... Most of us are from Iowa or the Midwest here, so we know about cornfields and the fact that they grow. In fact, this year at home, we planted a garden, and one of the things that we put in there was sweet corn. corn. Guess what? When I left home, it was already up to about right there. I'm really hoping it's going to be knee-high by the 4th of July. Maybe we've heard that before, right? I hope for a plentiful, a bountiful harvest out of our garden this year. We'll come back to that later. How many of you like to play sports? How many of you guys like to play sports, yeah? All right. What's some of our favorite sports? What's basketball? Football, baseball? Okay. All right. Does anybody here, does anybody here like cross country or track? Yeah? All right, all right. So, if you're preparing for a race, right, you just show up on race day and you just run, right? No, what do you have to do beforehand? You have to, oh, you have to stretch. Okay, that's good. How about before the day? Okay, you got to drink water. Okay, you got to prepare all that. Huh? You've got to run. You got to practice running. You got to build up endurance. You got you to gotta put work in. In order to run a race, in fact, one year I ran the dam-to-dam, and I thought that it was going to be a great idea. All I did was run four miles at lunch every day. I thought, okay, if I just run four miles and I progressively get faster and faster at running four miles, I'll be able to run 13 miles with no breeze, or like, with no breeze? That doesn't make sense. Yeah, great. (laughs) Like it's a breeze, just run right through it. Guess what? That didn't work. I started off with my friends. We were doing really well. We got to the fourth mile. I was doing great. Then we got to the fifth mile. And guess what? I started to slow down. My friends, they had to keep going because they had practiced well. I did not. So then I kept getting slower and slower, and I got to that, that the end of it. I was almost to the 11th mile, and there was this kid standing there handing out water. I thought that that's what it was. And I was, I, I had hit a wall. I didn't feel like I could run any further And I took this cup and I drank it, and it had gummy bears in it. It's like, what in the world did he just hand me? Luckily, like a few steps later, it started to kick in, and it gave me this extra energy to run the last two miles. But I had not prepared well. I had not studied anything and how to run. And that's even a short, like, long distance. You want to talk about long, long distance? Willie Felderman, he runs triathlons, and uh, Pastor Dave or Dave Callison here at the camp, he runs, like, 100-mile races, which is insane. I would, would not do that. Uh, but I did not put in the proper work into running that race. Roland, Roland, do you guys know Roland back here? Go ahead and stand up, Roland. He's in the back back there. Roland. You, Roland's from Creston. He runs track. Where at? It's community college. Which one? Southwestern. Okay, Roland's from P&G. He runs at Southwestern. You can sit down, Roland, thank you. He runs the 100-meter dash. And I asked Roland, how much practice does it take to prepare for your race? Or how much of that is like part of you just running a race? And he said about 90%. And he's just running 100-meter dash. Not to minimize that at all, Roland. That's still, I can't. He can run in 10 seconds. In fact, I would, I would challenge any of you guys to challenge Roland whenever you see him out at, on the camp, to a race. You're welcome, Roland. You're going to be racing kids all for two more days. You know, it's only going to be 97 degrees today. (laughs) Even in sports, you need to condition, you need to work in order to run properly. You think, Cody, didn't you talk about this on like, you know, the first day when we went through Hebrews chapter 12? What does that have to do with today? Well, in the Christian life, we are called to work. We are called to work out our salvation. What does that mean? What does that mean to work out our salvation? Does it mean that I can tell you guys all today that uh, if you were to run 10 laps between here and the, and the climbing tower and you finish on the 10th lap, you're, you'll be saved, right? We can, just, we can just work it out that way. Is that, is that how that works? No, that's not how that works. So what, what is Paul saying here to work out our salvation? That's what we're going to be looking at today. Our big idea here today, this morning, is salvation enables us to obey the commands of Christ. Salvation enables us to, to obey the commands of Christ. And in your notes, I have salvation allows us to obey the commands of Christ. And as I was kind of tossing around and talking with people about it, Uh, Enables may be a better word there, kind of the same, but still has a deeper meaning. So if you want to, you could cross that out and write enables above that. We're going to look at three ways in which salvation, or in how we can work out our salvation and we can obey the commands of Christ out of Philippians chapter 2 today, out of Philippians chapter 2. In fact, let's read the text. We are in Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 18, Philippians 2, 12 through 18. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or questioning, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God Let's pray this morning. God, help us to have grateful hearts. Help us to have humble hearts. Help us to have joy-filled hearts as we serve you with our lives. God, as we place our faith in you and your work on the cross because you are the one who works through us, I pray that we would Do it joyfully without complaining. God, help us to have joyful hearts. Help us to fight for contentment within our lives, to be content in you alone. God, help quiet our hearts, allow our hearts to be fertile ground this morning for your word, that your word would be planted deep in our hearts and that it would flourish. In your blessed name, amen. All right, so the first thing that we see here in the text this morning is we obey with humility. We obey with humility. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only in my presence, but much more in my absence. What Paul is saying here is when I have been with you, you have obeyed. I have seen the testimony, the witness of your salvation. I know That by the works that you do that you are saved, it's confirming it. But now that I go away and in my absence, continue to work it out. Don't do it to please me, but do this to please your heavenly Father. Right? We can put on a show when we come to church. We can put on a show when we come to junior boys. Guess what? If you're doing that, if you're playing a show, you know, just trying to make it look like you're a Christian, walking it, everything like that, it's going to be very hard today. You want to know why? It's going to be hot We're getting to the end of the week, and that that guard that you're able to put up, it's going to break down. Don't be surprised if that happens today. We can put on a show, and that's what Paul is saying here to the Philippians. Don't make your faith a show. Going to church is important, yes, but that is not the time in our life, the time in our week where we clean up and make everything look right, right? That's, that's a problem sometimes with church we go there trying to look perfect to everyone, that we have the right answers, that, that we have the right attitude, but then we go throughout the rest of our week and we center it around ourselves. We want to play video games. We want to have pop. We want to have candy. We want to do what we want to do, right? would know how I know that? Because I used to do that. Still do that at times. Can you imagine that? I can be selfish. I can only think about myself. So why, why, why would we even try to put on a show to other people? Because we're prideful, right? Pride is the seedbed, one of the seedbeds of sin within our lives, See, we have these issues within our lives and we try to figure out what's wrong with me, why am I doing this, and a lot of it goes back to pride. And that pride elevates yourself above God and others and you think that you know what is best in your life. In fact, I'm not going to listen to anyone else's instructions or what they're telling me to do because I know what I need to do, right? I've got it all figured out in my head. Part of coming together as the church is for people to speak truth into your life and say, hey man, maybe you could walk better in this way. In fact, the counselors and the pastors that you have come here this week, they want to help you. They're not there to condemn you, at least I hope they're not. They're there to assist you in your walk. So if they're saying, hey, here's an area in which I see in your life that you could be working on, listen to them. If, if, if you feel the prick of conviction of sin within your life, maybe you're not obeying your parents at home. Maybe you have a, a cruddy attitude throughout the week. Maybe you try to live selfishly and center everything around yourself throughout the week, and, and you feel convicted by that, ask for help. Don't ignore it. Don't become prideful and say, nah, I've got this under control. Don't do that, young men. It will not turn out well for you. In fact, just as we saw with Grant and Ian, they needed the help of their friend to get through the obstacle course. They could not have done that by themselves. Maybe they could have by bonking into everything. It would have been much harder. But they needed to listen to their friends. They needed to listen to guidance that was given to them. For some of us, we're blinded to what is holding us back. We're blinded to sins within our lives. And God, through the Holy Spirit, uses others around us to help point those out. Don't ignore it. Live humbly. A disciple of Christ should have an attitude of obedience, seeking to honor God by obeying his word. That's what I actually, in the next portion here, of what it says uh, to work out your salvation with fear and trembling is that we should have an attitude of obedience. What it's not saying here is that we need to work for our salvation. No. When we come to faith in Christ and we have that firm belief in Christ dying on the cross for our sins and rising again that enables us, it allows us to walk in obedience. We still have to make the choice. We still have to allow God to work through us. In fact, that's what come, comes next. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Let's say there's a dead person up here this morning, right? Wouldn't that be weird? would be really weird. And I were to say to the guy, hey, Get up! You think he'd get up? No. No. See, before Christ, we were all dead. We had no way in living the Christian life. But after our placing our faith in Christ, we were resurrected. We had a new life. We were given a new heart. We are able to walk in obedience, and we are actually able to see sin For what it is, sin, an egregience against God. Sin is any act, thought, or word that goes against God. Sin is also the absence of something that we should do, that we are commanded to do. We wouldn't be able to know sin if what sin is unless Christ wouldn't have resurrected us. We wouldn't know how to walk unless we had this newness of life. And you did not do that work. You cannot do that work. Only Christ's death on the cross supplies that for us. And him rising again supplies that for for us. Enables us to have the spirit within us to walk in obedience. Obey with humility. Obey with humility. Because it is God who is working through you. Always turn back and give the glory to God. We have a men's retreat out here once a year with our church. We come down in the spring. We bring a bunch of guys, and, uh, and we have fun. We, we go from Minnesota, where there's no fun, down to Iowa, where there's lots of fun, it seems like. Right? No? Sorry, guys. Sorry for my fellow Minnesotans here. Uh, we have lots of fun up in Minnesota. I'm just, just joking around. Okay, Mall of America. Yeah. Ooh. All right. Anyways. <laughs> We came down one year and uh, we did the zip line. Well, because I had worked here at camp before and uh, Jason Reynolds knew that, I was able to help catch people on the zip line that day. And as we're catching people, there's this big guy from our church. Stood about six foot four, weighed about 300 pounds. Probably shouldn't have been going down the zip line. So if you guys are ever worried, is this going to hold me? Yes, it will. Uh, He got on the zip line, and I was going to catch him. And before he came down, Jason looked at me, and he said, Hey, Cody, would you like a pair of gloves? And you know what I said? No, I've got this. I've got this, Jason. He's like, Are you sure? I've got a pair of gloves right here, Cody. Do you want them? I said, No, I'm good, because I wanted the calluses, man, right? Show that I was a hardworking man. That was a huge mistake. He came down, and as he came down, I actually, I thought Jason said, pull the rope, rope tight. He actually said, don't pull the rope tight. I pulled it tight, and as the man hit where I was supposed to catch him, guess what happened? He lifted me up off the ground, and the rope pulled through my hands and ripped the skin off of my hands. And I looked like a rag doll. Pastor Gene actually caught it on video, or Senior pastor up there, they love to play it almost every year before we come down. And uh, my I, I don't have it today. I didn't want to be that embarrassed. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> Yeah All right, guess what? If the surfers, if the surfers say their verses today, I'll play it tomorrow for you if I can get it. How about that? All right All right. so it was a big mistake. I had to wear bandage around my one hand because of the chunk of skin that it had taken out. And Jason was like, why didn't you take the gloves? In fact, they made it a rule after that that you had to wear gloves while catching. So there's another rule that uh, was given because of my, well, lack of wisdom there. So, pride. Pride will blind us to what we should be doing. Pride will blind us to obeying. Pride will make us think that we have it all under control when we don't. Second point today is obey with gratefulness. Obey with gratefulness. Verse 14, do all things without grumbling or questioning. How many of you guys have questioned your counselor this week, right? Huh? That's not good. I wouldn't be excited about that. That's a bad thing. Why do we have to go do that? Huh? How many of you have grumbled that you've had to do something this week? I don't want to get up out of bed. No. Right? You guys shouldn't be proud about that, but thank you for being honest. (laughs) All right. It's easy to grumble. It's easy to pick out what's going wrong. It's easy to be upset. A grumbling heart is a heart that does not honor God. In fact, God does not like a grumbling, complaining, questioning person. Because when we grumble and we complain and we question, we are questioning the God of the universe and we're saying, hey man, you got it wrong. You got it all wrong because this is how my life should go. Here's how the pieces should actually be moving in my life. And obviously, you're not paying attention. Guess what, young men? When you do that, you have placed yourself in the position of God. that's a scary place to be when you start to complain and grumble that's exactly what you're doing you're saying God you're not God at all because you've got it wrong guess what God's never wrong God is always in control remember that young men God is a sovereign God completely sovereign he's not surprised by what's going on in your life Look for the blessings within your life. Look for how you can be praising and worshiping God. Part of working out our salvation is working without complaining or grumbling. When I was younger and working at Huber Supply, my dad asked me to come in early one day. I was pretty upset about it. I got a trophy later for this, so isn't that great? How many of you guys won a Hubie Award, right? Wouldn't that be awesome? Hubie Award? I got this at our company Christmas party when I was a teenager, and it was awesome. So I had to go in early one day, and I, and I was complaining. My dad saw me, he saw that I wasn't in a good attitude. And one thing that my dad really hated was bad attitudes. Hates a bad attitude, hates a grumbling attitude. And he asked me how I was going, and I kind of murmured under my breath something like, It'd be better if I didn't have to come in early today. You know, it's 6 a.m. My dad looked at me, and he said, all right, Cody, let's go out to the parking lot. And I was shocked. I was like, well, what are we going to do out to the, in the parking lot? I was 18 at the time, probably. I was freshman in college. No, I didn't get a spanking. That would, be, <laughs> that would have been really humbling. <laughs> no, uh, instead, he had me run laps. So it's about 7.50 when he came in, and everyone shows up to work at 8 o'clock. And I am running laps in jeans and this cotton polo on a day just like today. It was blazing hot. I'm starting to drip and sweat. I'm slowing down. And each time that I come back to him, he says, run again. And car after car is coming into the parking lot. And all of these employees are seeing me run laps in the parking lot. Are you oh, I was embarrassed. And he kept saying, okay, Cody, let's go. Let's run faster. Let's run faster. Finally, we got to the end, and he goes, good, now you're awake. Now you won't be complaining and grumbling as you go throughout the day. Cody, you're my son. You can't be complaining and grumbling here at work. Otherwise, I won't have you here. I was like, whoa, that's a pretty big statement, Dad. But he was very serious about it because if my attitude was bad, it would spread like a cancer. That same thing happens in the church, young men. Those bad attitudes spread to those who are around us. You may think that your sin stays with you. It does not. Your sin affects the people that are around you too. Think about when your counselor asks you to do something this week, right? And one person starts complaining and questioning. The other, the rest of the cabin, they're going to follow, right? Think about at home when one person starts to question and grumble. It affects the whole home. Even in our churches, it affects our churches. And guess what? More than that, it affects our testimony within the community that God has placed us in. It affects those who are unbelievers around us. God has called us to praise and worship Him with our lives that starts with thanking him for the things that he's done for us the song that we just sang jesus thank you do you do you go throughout your week thanking god for the for the benefits that he has given to you or do you just focus for what's going wrong in your life what you think is going wrong what 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 misgivings that you have obey god with gratefulness thirdly today obey with joy Obey with joy. Obedience can be hard at times. Just obeying alone is hard. It makes us to not like, push back. In fact, when someone tells me to do something, I have this like, inner disposition to be like, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to do that. Someone tells me to watch a TV show, and I'm like, nah, I'm good. I don't, I don't need to watch that. Everyone's, that's the rage. I don't know why I do it, but I kind of resist that. In fact, it's gotten me in trouble at times. We need to obey God with joy. Why? Because that's what he modeled for us. In fact, what we read earlier, Christ obeyed his Father with joy. Remember Hebrews chapter 12? Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. Paul here is rejoicing, even though he is in prison, even though he knows that he will one day face death for the cause of Christ. He is still rejoicing and he's asking the Philippian believers to rejoice with him. Another way that we're able to obey and joy is we know that the work that we do in Christ, that, that Christ does through us, that God is providing through us, will stand. It is not in vain. It has a purpose. Our purpose is to shine as lights in this world, and it's a joyful experience when we're able to bring others into the brotherhood of Christ. Am I right or am I wrong? That should be seen as joyful. We should be working to tell others to obey the commands of Christ. In fact, to go out and make disciples. That's a command that can quickly get lost, that we forget about. We start following all the other ones of right Christian living, but yet we're not reaching out to our friends, to our family, and telling them about Christ. Young men, the best way that you can tell others about Christ is through word, telling them, but also modeling Christ's behavior within our lives. What validity do you have if you go out and you preach the gospel, but then your life looks contrary to everything that you're saying, right? What validity does that have? Why would someone trust you or trust what you're saying if your life does not model what you're preaching? Obey with joy. Obey without complaining. Obey with humility. We are to follow Christ's example. You can read through and see the Israelites, they did not obey with joy, they complained and they grumbled. In fact, in Numbers 16, there's a story of this man named Korah and his sons, and they were complaining against Moses and Aaron and ultimately complaining against God. And as they're complaining and everything is working out, guess what? The ground underneath them splits open and they fall to their death. God split the ground open from underneath them. You can read about it. It's in number 16. And they fall to their death. Now, you'd think, you would think the Israelites would see that, and they'd be like, okay, we're going to respect God. We're going to obey him, right? Er, Wrong. They didn't do that. In fact, they started to complain even more against Moses and Aaron for that happening. And a disease plagued them, and people just started dropping dead. Could you imagine that? It like started in the front row and just started to sweep back and and all of these people started dropping dead because they were complaining and grumbling. We thought COVID was bad. That was like instant. People were just dropping dead. And Moses and Aaron prayed for them. We need to obey with joy. Obey with joy. In fact... When we see that our work is providing something that's greater than us, it allows us to rejoice. I think that's what Paul was seeing here. He's seeing this, this church in Philippi and, and how they were obeying God, and it made him rejoice, not in the work that he had done, but in the work that God had done. In fact, when I went over to India and I got to weld, I taught a man named Luther how to weld. It was my last day there. I had gone there, and I was welding up different trusses and stuff within these buildings and helping them out that way. Bought a welder while we were there, and, and uh, even made some soccer goals and different stuff like that. In fact, that's what we're working on here. I'm teaching Luther how to weld. He doesn't see that I'm trying to give him a bump, uh, so that was left hanging. That was sad, but that was Luther's first good weld right there. It didn't break. He was really excited. I was excited too because I thought, great, he'll be able to use this. I didn't know how he was going to use it. The next year I came along and he had built this. He was enclosing buildings, making things all around the campus. There was benches. There was all of these different things. Luther was a bright man, very bright man, came with a carpentry background. And he took his carpentry background and he welded it together with welding. See how I did that there? That was kind of fun. Well yeah. Welding is when you take metal, you heat it up, and then it brings two metals together. He went around and he made different things like this, and it allowed me to rejoice to see that what I had taught him was actually followed through on. I was able to praise and worship God for that. That's what Paul is able to do here with the with the church in Philippi. Guys, rejoice, rejoice, know that your labor is not in vain. Know that obeying Christ is not for nothing it is for everything God allows us to obey him to obey him with humility to obey him with gratefulness and to obey him with joy where's your heart at today young men are you a complainer are you a grumbler do you grumble constantly do you murmur to yourself man I wish I had it better than this Ask God to forgive you of that sin. It's a sin to complain and grumble. Ask God to give you a grateful, joyful, and humble heart. Our truth into action for today is fight against pride within your life and humble yourself before the Almighty God. You are not God, young man. You do not know what is best. Your heavenly Father does. Humble yourself in fear and trembling before Him. Have a respect and reverence to Him. Focus on what God has given you and be thankful for them. Be thankful for the different blessings with with what you have in your life. Bring others into rejoicing for those blessings. And then look, with an eternal perspective. Look with an eternal perspective. Know, know that your labor is not in vain. Abound in the work of the Lord. Let's pray. God, I thank you for today. I thank you for allowing us to be here this week at Junior Boys Camp. I thank you for the wonderful weather with which you've provided us. The great hot weather that we're able to swim in today, God. God, I pray that uh, you'd be with us as we go into discussing your word. God, I pray that as we look at your word, that you would help us to live it out in our lives, knowing that it is you who is the one growing us. It is not ourselves, but we still have to be obedient to give our hearts over to you. God, I pray that if there's any young man here today that does not know you, that has not made that decision Placed his belief in you. God, I pray that he would do that today. In your blessed name. Amen.